This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. Washington Wise from Charles Schwab is an original podcast that unpacks the stories making news there. Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise. Coming up. Up next on the Wall Street Journal Speakeasy podcast, we talk to David Tennant, who's starring in the upcoming Netflix Marvel series, Jessica Jones. We talk about what makes a good comic book villain, the challenges of playing a villain, and what he has coming up next, including a Shakespeare production with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Updates on arts and entertainment, interviews with celebrities and marquee guests. This is WSJ Speakeasy. My name is Michael Callia with the Wall Street Journal Speakeasy podcast. I'm here today with David Tennant, star of the upcoming Netflix Marvel series, Jessica Jones. Hi. Hi, David. Thank you for coming. It's a great pleasure. Now, you play uh, a fellow named Kilgrave, who's, yes. who, who's the villain of the piece. Uh, yes. How would you describe him? Well, he doesn't see himself as a villain, obviously, which villain does. So uh, he's, uh, But he's someone who's... Uh, well, we'll find out uh, as the series transpires how it's come about. But he has uh, this uh, ability uh, where whatever he says compels the hearer to obey him, um, w- w- which means that uh, he lives in a sort of uh, surrounded by acquiescence wherever he goes, um, which means he doesn't necessarily occupy the moral high ground, as you might imagine. And uh, he, he uses this power not in a sort of traditional marvel supervillain way he's not trying to uh commandeer a nuclear bomb or become the leader of the free world uh he's just interested in his own uh selfish super objectives really one of which uh, is to um have dominion over jessica jones um and as the series begins they've already known each other they've already uh, jessica has already been quite scarred by her experiences with him. And as the series begins, she realises that he's not as dead as she thought he was. Uh, and and he's coming back initially, literally, to sort of haunt her through her sort of... Uh, uh, her kind of PTSD sort of flashbacks. Um, and then he slowly is closing in on her and her world. Yeah, Jessica is played by Kristen Ritter. That's right. And, um, you know, she's she's the she's the title character. She's the yeah. star. Uh, your, your character's kind of teased along. Yes. And eventually there's some kind of a reveal. Um, we won't spoil it, obviously. Sure. Um, when you did work with Kristen, considering that these two characters had such a difficult past with each other yes. and you two were both such committed performers, um, what was the vibe like on set? Like, how did you guys ge- generate that... The, the, Feeling. Well, it's interesting. As you say, I, I get sort of teased for the first few episodes. So so um, I, I did feel a little bit like I was coming late to the party. You know, mm-hmm. By the time I was on set consistently, everyone else had uh, got to know each other very well and was very bonded. Uh, so uh, that was a slightly, uh, you know, sort of feeling your way into that was actually, I suppose, uh, uh, quite helpful because Kilgrave is very much uh, um, uh, his own creature. Uh, and and he uh, he sort of um, slowly kind of seeps his way into into Jessica's world. Uh, so yes, I, well, I, but in terms of working with Kristen, it, it was very easy because she's very easy to work with. You know, she's she's uh, as you say, she's got a real commitment to this character and to this role. She's and she's just very good at what she does, and that's all you're ever looking for uh, when you're playing opposite someone you just you, you just want someone to be committed and to be good and to be uh, and that allows you to bounce off each other and you you, you have to just sort of uh, 
use the given circumstances in the script and when the writing is is as as strong as it is in this um it was actually it, it was great to finally get to play some some juicy scenes and there are plenty of them as the series unfolds how, how so how did you get the part uh, what was the audition process i just got a call very unexpectedly just out of the blue on the on the night before new year's eve weirdly last year very peculiar time of year uh I just I wasn't expecting it, and and I suddenly uh, got told about it, and and uh, told that a couple of scripts would be coming my way, and that I would be talking to um, Melissa Rosenberg, our showrunner, and Jeff Loeb, our exec, and and we'd sort of take it from there. So it was, uh, and again, that was quite odd because I got two scripts in which the character doesn't really feature. He's talked about a lot, but mm. as you say, he's teased. Uh, so I got I got two scripts, and I thought, well, these are these are great. Uh, pieces of writing um, they didn't really tell me a great deal about what I would have to to do in the show but uh, but then I talked to Melissa and talked to Jeff, I saw some uh, some of the scenes coming up from later episodes um, and I thought this is, a, this is a really extraordinary character with a, with a, uh, a very kind of uh, powerful uh, story so uh, it, it just felt like it was uh, a gamble worth making had you been familiar with the character before? No, no, I hadn't. And I, I thought I knew my Marvel comics. I thought I was quite an aficionado. Uh, but uh, Alias, which is the comic book uh, that Jessica Jones came from, is is a relatively uh, obscure, might be an unkind way of describing it, but the, but the Marvel Max imprint, which is what this came from, was, it was, was a sort of comic books for a slightly more mature audience. And I hadn't come across them before. And this is where Jessica Jones started. Kilgrave, my character, has has existed in the more uh, uh, traditional Marvel universe since 1960-something. He was in Daredevil, number 42, I think. <laughs> but when he appeared there, he was more of a sort of, uh, you know, he had his underpants over his trousers. He was more of a kind of traditional jumpsuited superhero or supervillain. Uh, and he's matured into this r- rather more complex uh, uh Less obvious, perhaps, uh, uh, supervillain character. Uh, nice dress, nicer dresser too. And I he's imagine. certainly a much snappier dresser <laughs> these days. Yes, and he doesn't have purple skin, which he has in the comic uh, books. You know, I was going to ask that. So, um, yes. yeah, yeah, the purple man. He's known. He's, as, yes, he's not known as the purple man in our iteration. Yeah. Uh, although there's lots of hints to that. There's lots yeah. of nods to his comic book origins. Right. I think I wore every purple suit that that New York department stores could offer. <laughs> I think we got through the, the, every rack. Uh, uh, but uh, yes, the, the the purple thing is more of a more of a nod than a than a an actual title. My um, um, so I asked a few fans of yours, um, you know, things they'd like to hear, and oh, sure. and okay. one young lady named uh, Anna uh-huh. was curious. Is it easier to take a role like this? And, and Kilgrave's a very nasty villain. I mean, you have to be in order to be convincing. Is it easier to take a role like this because it's rooted in fantasy, despite the show's kind of realistic trappings? Uh, I think... I don't think... Hmm, interesting question. I mean, you don't... When, you, when, when you're sort of on set, as it were, when you're trying to make sense of an individual scene, it doesn't really matter what the roots of it are. You're, all you're trying to do is, is with, with whatever the given circumstances are, you're trying to be uh, as truthful to that moment as possible. So you're not thinking, oh, well, it's all fantasy, so it's all slightly heightened. It's all in, 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 in quotation marks. It's, you're trying to uh, 
be as faithful to the reality of that situation as you can possibly be. Um, I, I, I suppose I, it depends what she means by her question. Is it, is it a sense that uh, that it's difficult to play a character who actually does awful things? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In general, that's I guess, what she's, yeah. yeah. I mean, the truth is, that as an actor, what's interesting is exploring the sort of uh, the psychology of complicated individuals. Um, so I, I don't have a problem with with. Uh, I mean, there's something. I suppose there's something of a challenge to playing characters that that do terrible things because you have to try and make a sense of that. You have to try and find. The, you have to find the empathy within that. And that's true of whatever character you're playing. That's part of the challenge of acting. It doesn't mean that you agree with what they do. Right. It doesn't mean that you, you condone that <laughs> type of behaviour. But there's something in, in, in the sort of the mechanics of the acting challenge, there's something quite... Uh, quite... Well, it's the challenge of it, isn't it? It's the challenge of trying to make sense of that and trying to understand what makes a psychology like that work even if it's a even if it's a broken psychology even mm-hmm. if it's a damaged person you, you you're trying to uh portray that as convincingly as you can is 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 what's exciting about the job i, I suppose well um to to build on that um how did you prepare uh, what were your, your preparations for Kilgrave? um getting into that mindset well, I suppose there are, sort of, there are a few different things you can do. One, one of them is you can look back at his comic book history. Uh, but as, as we've sort of already discussed, that's, that's only partially helpful because the, the, the Kilgrave of some of the early comic books is not really the Kilgrave of, of this TV show. So you have to take from that what's interesting and what's... Uh, it, 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 it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to know the, a bit of the history. It doesn't necessarily help you to make sense of... of uh, the character on the page, because because ultimately, with whatever preparation you do for anything, you're you're just coming back to what the script says, um, uh, and that's got to, uh, it, especially if the writing's good as it is in this case, that's got to be what your first loyalty is to, because there's not, as far as we're aware, there's nobody who actually has this superpower that you can actually go off and sort of uh, quiz them or, or or read their life story. You know, there has to be a certain imaginative leap that you take um, at some point. Uh, but of course, you then start, in terms of preparation, I suppose you you start to examine what that might mean if you've grown up with this ability. What kind of person would that make you into? Uh, you know, if nobody ever says no to you, what does that do to your psyche? Uh, how does that that uh, build the person that you become? Um, and I suppose there are some precedents for that in life. You know, I guess I guess certain dictators, certain uh, <laughs> members of royal families. I suppose they, they, people really say no to them. So you can sort of, I suppose you can draw some clues from that. But really, you're you're it, it ultimately, like I say, it's it's an imaginative leap. I think. Hold that thought. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Wall Street Journal Speakeasy podcast in just a moment. Spend lots of time on your device? Then spend some of that time with us. WSJ Podcasts, the sound of success. Now, updates on arts and entertainment, interviews with celebrities and marquee guests. This is WSJ Speakeasy. Hi, we're back. Uh, I'm Michael Calia. I'm with David Tennant, who stars in the upcoming Netflix Marvel series Jessica Jones. That'll be out this Friday. Um, so picking up where we left off, do you think 
Kilgrave's powers could ever be used by someone with really good intentions, not selfish intentions. Well, it's interesting. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's, These are not yes, the droids you're looking for. It's, fascina- it's fascinating, isn't it? Because you do start to wonder, if, if, if that was visited upon oneself, what would you do with it? Would you go and sort out North Korea? Would you go and, you know, you know uh, talk to the leaders of the free world and, and make things better? And would you be able to resist getting a free Starbucks? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if, if, if it was that easy, if no one ever said no to you, if you could have whatever you wanted, it, it's fascinating. I don't know if there's a person alive who could maintain the moral high ground there because there, there's, no, there's no scope for negotiation there, is there? So even if you became some uh, benevolent leader and told everyone uh, to, to do exactly as you imagined would make the world a better place, who's to say you're right? Um, it... it Who's to say, you know, with, without any counsel being given, you would be able to always make those right decisions if you're the only uh, arbiter at the end of the day. Um, so that's that's some of the things that you, you know. It's it, because it's quite a sort of it's quite a straightforward fantasy concept. I think you know this. You know, there's this character, whatever he says, people do. But actually, when you start to unfold that and you start to uh, play that part every day, these are the sort of questions that become quite intriguing. I think so. To you, what makes uh, a compelling villain as a viewer, as you're watching plays or, or movies or TV shows? What do you look for? What, what's what's the good stuff? Oh, that's a very good question, isn't it? Uh, it's oh, it's hard to know. It, it it's something about it, it. It's something that makes you. It, it's what makes you scared of them. It's what makes them. It's what makes the hairs go up on the back of your neck. Do you have any classic villains that you you just love? Oh, let me think. Well, who are the best villains of all time? It's a tricky question. It's moments where they become personal, isn't it? That's when... It's that moment, um, and this may be a spoiler alert, although only if you're very slow on the uptake, it's that moment at the end of Empire Strikes Back (laughs) where Darth Vader says, I am your father. (laughs) And you think, oh, oh, so not only... Suddenly that he becomes... A villain that's that's that that's got under your skin, doesn't he? He goes from just being the big bad to someone that that uh, it, it becomes. It's that emotional engagement, isn't it? It's that thing that that, that makes you feel like you can't escape them. That it heightens the connection. Exactly. To them, yeah. yeah, and I think that's when that's when a villain becomes something truly terrifying when they've when they've made that inescapable connection somehow. Now, how do you feel about you know? comic books in general, superhero comics, whatever, kind of dominating pop culture at the moment, professionally and, and as, a, as someone who reads and, and watches yeah. and consumes. Well, certainly as someone who grew up reading comic books, these are the movies and the TV shows that I wished for as a kid, that I hoped would exist and that just didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I don't know why, if, if that's just because uh, sort of the the right people are now making those movies and they work in a way that perhaps they once didn't. I suppose we now have the technology to, to allow Thor to fly and, <laughs> and, and, and the Hulk to rage in the way that he, he does. Maybe, I mean, we, you, when I was growing up, we had the, the, the old the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno Hulk series, which I loved. I absolutely it loved. But it, but it certainly wasn't the same as the comic books and I was always very aware of that. I was reading the comic books where... Hulk was battling creatures from outer space and enormous monsters, and then I was watching him on TV, uh, you know, sort of chasing the 
the bad kids <laughs> who'd, who'd stolen some apples from the orchard. Uh, it all felt a little, uh, a little domestic. Um, yeah, it was all before the internet, so no one knew from town to town that this guy was walking. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. It wouldn't quite work now, would it? Uh, that, there was that one dogged reporter who was chasing him around America, trying to prove, but he only ever got the odd blurry photograph. Uh, uh, you know, and I love that show, but but the, you know the, these big marquee movies that now that now exist, and I love going to see, and I just think, oh, as a kid, I would have eaten this up. So, I think. It's all to do with quality at the end of the day, isn't it? And if these if these shows and these movies keep being of the standards they are and keep engaging and keep being about the characters, I think that's always the trick. And I think that's what Marvel Comics have always managed to do. In that they're, they're, they've been about superheroes, but they've been about they've also been about the people inside the suits. They've they've never been entirely one dimensional characters. They've always had something going on. There's always been a bit of personal tension going on in their life, whether it's Peter Parker not being able to prepare for his exams or or Reed Richards and Sue Richards falling out uh, you know and and uh, I think that's always been the key to Marvel particularly Marvel's success that, hmm. and I, I think that's they've, they've found a way of translating that into the, this, the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, uh, and certainly something like Jessica Jones takes that even further by going to some darker places than I think they've dared to go before and certainly it's a show for a more mature audience, I think, than they've ever uh, targeted before. And uh, I, I think as long as that's as long as that as long as it's about the stories and as long as it's about the characters, uh, I think when these things don't work, it's when they just become spectacle for the sake of it. Uh, and I think that's what so far Marvel are managing to do so brilliantly. Now you've you've worked the the entire spectrum of stuff from you know positive upbeat stuff with Doctor Who yeah it, that had its dark moments but then Broadchurch which is like grittier and and now Jessica Jones seems yeah. like it's really mm. soaked in dread and and and, and grit and grime um, do you have any particular favorite kind of approach or do you prefer you know you know, being a more heroic type or being more on the the gray side of things or even the dark. I just love the variety of it, really. I I I, I feel very fortunate that I've managed to to do quite a variety of types of stuff and uh, in different media and in different genres and and that's that's what's most exciting, really. That, that it, it 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 keeps you on your toes. It keeps you being creative. It it means it never feels like you're. Hopefully, it never feels like you're. Repeating things um, creatively, and that's that's what keeps me going. And that's you, you know, uh, Jessica Jones has been great. I've never done anything like this before. I've never done a character like this before. Uh, uh, and it, you know, it keeps you it keeps you from it keeps you a little bit insecure. You know, and I, I think that's quite uh, I think that's quite useful creatively. Huh. Um, so another young fan named Noah wants to know who your favorite Doctor Who villain would be, to bring it back to the subject of villains. Right. I try... It's funny, with a show like Doctor Who, which which does attract a very enthusiastic response from people who love it, and I get that, as I, I, I grew up as a massive Doctor Who fan. Uh, but partly because of that, I feel like... I, 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 people always want to know your favorite episode, your favorite villain, your favorite right. companion, and I feel like it would be wrong to single any out. It feels like it would be, you know, choosing favourites amongst your children. It's just wrong. You just shouldn't do it. Uh, and uh, and also, I, I'm slightly nervous. If I ever say that's my favourite, then, then, then that'll be it for all time. So I, I, 
I'm quite fickle in my favourites. Uh, and one of the great things about Doctor Who was the, the, the extraordinary variety of it. No two episodes were ever the same. Uh, so it feels... Yes, it doesn't feel right to choose favourites. I like them all. And uh, Just real quick, um, what are you working on next after, after all this hubbub? I, uh, when I go back uh, to London, I, I'll be re-rehearsing Richard II, which oh. is a show I did with the Royal Shakespeare Company a couple of years ago, and we're, we're reviving it. Uh, to play it in sequence with with uh, uh, three uh, other history plays, uh, so we'll we'll do a sequence of Richard the Second, Henry the Fourth, Part One, Henry the Fourth, Part Two, Henry the Fifth, um, which we will open in January in London, and then we'll bring it to Brooklyn in uh, in April, um, March, April, and that's uh, that will be part of the, the the beginning of the celebration of four hundred years since Shakespeare's death, which of course falls next year. I'm sure you already know that, Michael. <laughs> I got to keep up on these things. Sure. If it was Shakespeare, no, I won't even. Well, quite. That. That's a whole other <laughs> kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much, David Tennant, uh, for coming here and talking to us for Pleasure. the Wall Street Journal Speakeasy podcast. Jessica Jones premieres on Netflix Friday, November twentieth. It does. Check it out. Thank you very much. Thank you. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.